feel the fear and do it anyway. Good things come to those who work hard and never give up. Be better than you were yesterday. Don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20. Be the best version of yourself because somebody else has already taken. Don't be afraid to go that extra mile because when you do, you realise there aren't that many people out there. Hello and welcome to season three of She Has a Goal in Mind, brought to you each week by Darcy Morris and Gabriella Jukes. In this episode, we're honoured to have Angelica Georgopoulos, a trailblazer for women in football, all the way from Australia. From breaking barriers as the youngest vice president of a football club in Australia, to aspiring to be FIFA's first female president, Angelica offers a unique perspective on the challenges and triumphs of being a woman in the world of football administration. Join us as we explore her experiences, discuss the importance of female representation on and off the field, and gain insights into her vision for the future of women's football. Thanks for having me, guys, and pleasure to be here too. So, yeah, it's lovely to meet you. So, I'm I'm Darcy, and obviously that's Gabriella. Um, so yeah, it's amazing for us to have you on. Really, we're we're really excited to chat to you. That's amazing. I've been following a bit of your work. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know whether to say good morning or it's good evening for you. Or... Oh. It's it's good evening, but I think I've manifested your weather because it's been oh, raining all day. So oh, it's been, been terrible here as yeah. well. So yeah, um, oh, same same, I guess, <laughs> which is unusual. But we've had thirty eight degrees all week, and now we're at twenty one. So oh, <laughs> that's cold for us. Oh no! But thank you very much for for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, we're looking forward to getting into learning about all your career. Um and everything you've been up to, so thank you. I guess then we'll just we'll just go straight into it. Um, can you tell us then a bit about your background and and how you first maybe got involved in football, whether that was playing it or um or where that love of football came from? Well, it actually started off a bit strange for me because I'm I'm half Greek and half Irish, and my family have been inherently football fanatics. So football was always around. It was always in family gathering settings, but um. It's it's just my dad, my mom, and my sister. And and when it was, I think it was 2004, so my sister's older than me. She's 18 months older than me. 2004 was when Greece won the Euros. And um, pretty much the next year after that, every little Greek kid got put into football uh, because they thought they were going to generate the next, you know, the next best thing. So my sister was the result of that. And my mom and dad decided to put her in football when she was about five years old. And... Um, ironically I actually hated it I, I hated the sport so much I could not stand it because I had to get dragged to the field obviously in six o'clock in the morning and watch my sister play and I could not think of anything worse so you know naturally I wasn't um attracted to the game whereas my sister was a fanatic she loved it she loved getting into it she used to wear every single jersey before it was cool um she was just so drawn to it she's a little bit more of a tomboy growing up as well so naturally of course me being quite girly quite feminine it just didn't it, it wasn't on the table and I didn't think it was cool enough I didn't think girls played it um even though my sister was and she was killing it it just it just wasn't attractive especially because no other girls that I knew were playing it even at school so I was a gymnastics kid um, I was told I was going to be the next best thing uh, however I had a massive growth spurt and I 
today I'm six foot. And um, basically I was told as a 10 year old, I've been doing it for almost eight years at that point. And uh, I was told that I was no longer um, good enough for gymnastics because I was too tall. So that was like my first crushing moment uh, by my coach that I had been with for years saying like, you're not going to make it any further in this sport because you're too tall. So that was a, that was a big moment for me where everything kind of came crashing down and as a nine, 10 year old, you know, that's all you wanted to be was a gymnast. So I then started looking and watching my sister play. And I remember my mom, she was a bit of a, she was a bit of a pro thinker back then and a, a very futurist in terms of where we are today looking back but she said to me you know a lot of girls would be good at football you know you, you could be really good and at that time I was also playing netball I did every sport you can imagine but netball also was one won my heart and she said you know a lot of netball players you know some of them play soccer on the weekend you know maybe you should consider it and I was like nah but like it's not girly enough for me like they're not wearing pink jerseys like I'd only play if there's pink jerseys or I'd get pink boots and she said, well, well, I've seen some pink boots, so why don't you uh, why don't you think about it? And I remember watching my sister's semi-final because we obviously play final series in, in Australia and it was her semi-final. It was under 11s or 12s and at, at that time they were still playing on a full field. So there was a bunch of 11-year-olds running around chasing the ball and I remember she had this open shot on goal and all she had to do was just tap it in and she just like rocketed over the bar and she had a massive kick on her as an 11 year old and it just went flying over the bar and I thought to myself in that moment I was actually on my Nintendo and I actually looked up from my Nintendo in that moment and I was like geez I could have done that I could have even got that in <laughs> and it was at that point I remember we went uh, they went home they did win the final and they were, we were all happy and everything and I remember sitting at the dinner table that night and I turned to my sister and I said you know I could have gotten that in and I turned to my dad and my mom and they both look at me and they turned to each other and they were like well why don't you play and I was like done all right I gotta prove my sister wrong so that's kind of where like the sisterly sister rivalry started um and kind of how I ended up in football essentially and I eventually then became more involved in football. I then started to realize this is actually something, you know, I'm really enjoying. Although at the time I still wasn't really enjoying it as much as netball or swimming or any other sports I've done. I was just enjoying the experience of doing something that not many other girls were doing. And I thought that was really cool at the time, but I'm not going to lie. It was kind of hard. And I remember like my first two years still hating the game. I hated that. Like I felt so awkward on the field. I'd have to pass all the boys training and it used to feel really weird because they used to look at you like, what are you doing? Like girls still don't play football. And this is only, you know, almost 20, less than 15 years ago now. And, and I'm just thinking like, looking back, it wasn't because I wasn't good enough. It's just, I felt so awkward to be at a football field at that age, being a girl. It just wasn't right and you didn't see any referees that were female you didn't see any coaches not even helpers volunteers nobody was a female and it just didn't feel right so looking back my parents were visionaries and saying like girls can play and that's kind of what kick-started my career and almost where I ended up because it wasn't until I was about 14 years old um, Tim Cahill one of Australia's greatest football players he um, basically started this campaign across the across Australia and he chose 10 kids um girls and boys Australia wide to be a part of this camp this football camp but it wasn't just about football it was about living the life of a footballer which included the media the training eating like a footballer you name it 
And he didn't just choose kids based on their skill. He chose kids based on their academic uh, results at school, you know, what they do in their community, all these factors, and obviously a footballer. And at the time, like I'm a legend in my own mind and I do believe I'm the next Matilda still. But at the time, obviously, I had no ambitions of becoming professional. I just I loved the sport and uh, I got picked for this this camp. And it wasn't until the last day of this camp. And by the way, like looking back, it was like it's such a great experience. But every single day of that camp, I absolutely hated it because it pushed me to my limits. And I was surrounded by kids. And also my lame claim to fame is Ellie Carpenter was actually discovered at this camp. So I'm at this camp with Ellie Carpenter. And I'm just this kid playing grassroots football who does good at school and, you know, has no ambition of of becoming a professional player. And I'm up against kids like Ellie and I was pushed physically and mentally to breaking point. I was on the phone to my mom every night saying like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm not good enough. And that was almost like my first experience of imposter syndrome. I didn't think I was good enough to be there. And that was only 14, 15 years old. But it was the last day of that camp where Tim had a mentoring session with all of us and he grabbed us one by one and sat down and spoke to us about what our future ambitions were. And I remember sitting there going like, I don't really know, like I might look into physiotherapy, like a sporty kid, that's what you did, like something in sports. And he turned around and he said to me, Angelica, why don't you work in football? And I turned to him and I said, but I don't want to be a professional player. And he said, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking we need more women working in our game. And at that point, I had no idea that was even on the table. I didn't even didn't even cross my mind to think that women could work in football administration wise. That just was a foreign concept. And I remember going home just baffled. I remember going to my parents like, why haven't I ever thought to work for Manchester United or, or work in La Liga or something crazy like that or work for Australian football? And my dad turned to me and, and kind of loved that idea and said, oh, yeah, like you've got to do that. You know, you know, the women's game is going to grow in the next 10 years. I can, I can feel it in my bones. And my dad always coached us as, as players in our grassroots and he was always a big visionary, a big pro female football. And, and it just kind of went off from there. And started coaching I started refereeing I started getting involved in my community and I never looked back and I have no other ambition than to be in football now it's crazy to think 10-15 years ago it wasn't even on the table though no yeah definitely that's that's amazing to hear the support of your family as well how important that is in in getting you kind of where where you are today and I think I can relate a little bit when you were saying um, about working in football wanted to be a physiotherapist I feel like that's (laughs) something I, I thought of growing up I wanted to work in sport um, but I thought that was the only way that I could work in it as well so I did a sports science degree because I thought oh well that's what that's it's gonna be. Yeah. Get into it. absolutely yeah. so I can really relate to that um, tell us about then your your path from there and, and at what point did you want to aim to become FIFA's first female football president (laughs) (laughs) well look I've always been a pretty ambitious kid and I've always aimed for the sky and that's my parents doing my parents always told us you know regardless of our gender gender wasn't even on the table like they always just told us just whatever you do make sure you love it because you have to do it for the rest of your life so you might as well enjoy it and and so that kind of was my limit right is doing something that I love and going as far as possible and I guess I've always just I've had an eye for seeing something and doing something about it. And 
even as a young kid, when you, when you go to the field and you didn't feel comfortable, I mean, I was mature enough to recognize that even at such a young age, I, I could see that there was such an inequality in our game. And it was just frustrating because at the time, no one else understood and no one else saw it. Like, you know, I did, especially as a, as a girl in sport and, and my family saw it as a family in sport with two girls. And it's, it's really admirable looking back now to see how far I've come, given that there wasn't any opportunity. There really wasn't. It was just starting to kick off for me. And we were just starting to scrape into that period of, of girls can do anything. But it was, it did take a while. And I'd say only in the last five years, we've really seen that change. So, yeah. <laughs> no, amazing. Um, I feel like you, you're definitely someone that kind of creates your own opportunities as well. Um, which which I love. Um, mm. and a couple of years ago, I know that you went to Manchester City to take part um on a course. Can you tell us a bit about that and how how that all came about? Because that's a huge step traveling kind of the other side of the world yeah. to, to take something like okay. that. Okay, so I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but I'll tell you anyway. So, like I've said, I've had this sister rivalry with my older sister, and um, when she was 16 or 17 years old, she was about to sit her final exams for school, but um, my sister couldn't care less about school. She was good at it, but she just, she had no interest um, in listening to teachers all day, but she would sit down and watch football games all throughout her lessons. And um, she'd be on her laptop. And I remember she was saying there was some FIFA quiz that they were asking. And um, she, she ended up doing this quiz and, and part of the, 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 prize of this quiz if you answer it correctly was you'd be sent to Zurich and you'd be part of this fan focus group and she actually got selected as a 17 year old and she was sent to FIFA in her final school year and uh, she was there for about 10 days or so and they were asking her opinions on football in Australia football globally and here's this 17 year old giving her opinion um, so naturally I had to outdo her on that because she got picked worldwide so I wanted to go get my experience up. And I remember sitting on my laptop after this whole happened, this would have been like a year or two later. I'm like, I've got to one up her somehow. And um, I was just Googling, like just randomly Googling football conferences around. And I was 20 years old. So I knew it was crazy to be doing this and thinking about this. And um, one of the ads up on Facebook was for the women in football. And uh, I didn't realize it was actually in England at the time. I didn't realize it was at Manchester City. And I just clicked on it because I was just, oh, this is fascinating. What a great organization. And then I saw this course that was being held at Manchester City's Academy. And I was like, well, I'm a big city supporter as a side note. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, I have to do this. And then I saw it, it was involving women in football. I'm like, I'd be crazy not to do it. However, unlike my sister, where it was fully paid for, um, I did have to pay for this course. And I remember turning to my dad and I've been working for so long as a kid because I was ambitious. I wanted to start working at 14 as soon as I could. So I'd been saving up for a while. But um, I turned to my dad and said, like, Dad, I really want to do this course. It's a bit crazy, though, because it's in Manchester and it's like this five day course, but it's like three thousand dollars and I can't afford that <laughs> even as a kid who's been saving. And my dad turned around and he said to me, he was like, okay, I can see you really want to do this. He's like, so we're going to go to the bank of dad. He's like, we're going to pull out a loan. He's like, I'm not going to pull out a loan, but you're, I will cover this and you're going to pay me back. And I, I want you to tell me what you get out of this course when you 
so I gave him as much as I could. I paid for my flights, but this course I couldn't afford. And so I paid as much as I could to my dad from the bank of dad. And um, I ended up going to to this thing in Manchester and the women were incredible. The Ebru Cogsell was there and she was just so eye-opening to listen to. It was so nice to hear at such a young age these incredible women in even in their older years still knocking down barriers it was just so comforting to hear from this network that I'd never had essentially of of women with experience in this game and I learned so much out of that just just basic things about confidence about just making the first move and all of those worries that you have in your head as a woman, it was just so nice and refreshing to hear that I wasn't alone. I wasn't the only one thinking these things. And so I came back and I, and I told my dad this whole thing. And he said, like, I'm so glad you did that. I'm so glad he he went out of his way to help me through that as well. Again, my family has played such a big part in my football and I don't know where I would be and whether I would still be in this game if it wasn't for them. But just in general, just having that network of people to me was the most important thing um, I wanted out of that experience because I didn't really have anyone here and everyone that was here were in these higher positions and very hard to almost talk to at that point, especially when you're just a 20-year-old in this game trying to figure it and navigate it. So it was really nice to just invest in myself in something that I knew was going to be worth it it was crazy. My friends thought I was insane. And I literally looked at this Google ad the night before and I booked my flights the next day and I was leaving two days later. So it was just wild and absurd and absolutely crazy, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. And to be honest, it was right before COVID as well. So it was really nice to get that in before everything went into lockdown and before the crazy world we saw. So it was just, it was, it was a good reminder that it might be crazy, but sometimes you do have to invest in yourself to make those moves. Yeah, oh, definitely. Wow. And sounds you, like an incredible opportunity. Yeah, you have to take risks, don't you? And I, th- I think, yeah. you know, it sounds like it all happened and worked out the way it was supposed to. It's kind of like you, you were meant to see that and then you were meant to go. Um. Tell us about your position as uh, vice president of the youngest vice president of, a, of an Australian football team. And how did you gain respect in that role? Because obviously being a young female, that must be hard um, for others to see and kind of understand how you're, how you're, how you're there. Well, I'd say it's still very difficult. It's still very difficult to navigate this space and, I don't think I'll ever be comfortable in saying like, I'm finally at the age now where I am wise. I feel like I always have so much to learn. And that was my, my greatest, you know, um, skill and almost kind of, it was a blessing and a curse a little bit having that kind of mindset, because um, I remember I was just about to turn 19 and I really wanted to do something about um, the state of my club and the lack of female sort of, retention as opposed to just bringing girls in but we couldn't retain girls in our club you know they would come for one year and they'd disappear the next and it was just the same old story and same thing with my own team I could see we'd get the girls in they'd they'd love it they'd enjoy it they loved playing football but for reasons such as study and life and you know wanting to have relationships they felt as though they couldn't play and do that at the same time and it was really frustrating because I used to see all my male counterparts and all my male friends 
carry on with their lives playing football and there are their wives and girlfriends sitting on the sideline just accepting that and I just it just always annoyed me that girls couldn't do that either girls couldn't have their partners on the sidelines supporting them not so much today now but we're getting back to that but I think at the time I knew that there was there's so much that needed to happen and one of the big things that pushed me into that role was uh, uniforms and at the time it was such a pain to get anybody to listen about us girls wearing male cut uniforms people thought I was crazy when I said at meetings like we need to change our uniforms either keep it as unisex or let's get women's cuts like let's get women's female uniforms and I cannot tell you the resistance I had from saying that it seems so simple looking back why people just couldn't say, yeah, sure, that seems like a basic human right to have a uniform. You know, that that seems like a basic necessity. But the pushback that I got was eye-opening and astonishing because there was a lack of education around the female anatomy and how we have different shapes. I will never forget we had male-cut slim-fit uniforms And I remember trying on the shorts and I'm not exactly a huge girl either. I mean, I got a bit of muscle on me, but that's about it. And I remember wearing some of these shorts and my butt was eating itself in these shorts. And I'm thinking, I've got girls on my team who have had pregnancies, who are pregnant, who are bigger, who aren't the same shape as me. There's no way they're going to fit in these shorts. And I was wearing a double XL short and I'm like, this is not happening. This is not going to happen. And I came to to this meeting and I said, guys, like we've got to do something about it. And the first thing they said to me is they laughed at me and said, you're making a big deal out of nothing. And at least you'll get more boys to your games that way. That's exactly what they said to me. And oh my I will never yeah. forget the rage I felt inside of me because I was like, I cannot believe I have to debate this. And the worst part is the people that are saying this have daughters of their own, have young daughters of their own. And I think it was my sister who turned around at this meeting and said, oh, yeah, well, how are you going to feel when your 12-year-old daughter's on the field and you see all those guys on the sideline? And their face their face dropped, like as if how would you, how dare you would say that, but you could say that about us as women. And um, it was almost like this, this alien thought of having a female-cut uniform and we really had to educate, we really had to explain to these guys, hang on, you don't understand, like, female anatomy is very different. We have hips. We need less fabric in places where you guys need more. It's just, it's basic. And to be honest, even to this day, I think there are still people that, that don't understand why we made such a fuss out of it. And, and it's frustrating because, you, you know, a girl should just feel comfortable on the field. A girl shouldn't have to worry about, I don't feel comfortable wearing these shorts. It should be like, this is part of my uniform. I'm comfortable. I can perform to the best of my ability on the field today. And it was stopping girls. It was stopping girls from entering the field. I mean, a lot of them ended up wearing shorts of their own and then getting in trouble by our association by not wearing their correct uniform. It was just a spiral of events that, that really just came down to lack of education and, and maybe just not wanting change or fear of, of positions. I really can't tell you why there was such a pushback. And it is hard to explain that story to people because it's like it seems so common sense to just say yes. But unfortunately, where this change, you know, you've got to you've got to make a ripple somehow to get that rolling. So that's that's yeah, how I ended up there. <laughs> 
things like that really fascinate me because like you mentioned like it doesn't affect them in any way so um, it's, it's it's crazy how they think they can just have a say in what we as women can wear and you can see it even now um in the professional game like it's it's still a big issue in regards to having like having periods yeah. and having white shorts and there's so many things that go into it and women not having the same um options of, of football boots absolutely um, I was reading up about that because I think there's only one specific type that is available to kind of women uh, to fit fit women and, and that's why there's so many injuries going on for women at the moment as well so there's so much that goes into it so fair play and well done to you to Thank you. I guess getting stuck in and, and voicing your opinions because I think that's really important um, and becoming the the youngest vice yeah. president as well like 19 years old is that right 19 you, yeah yeah that's, that's amazing so thank you well done to you um on getting getting there and it's just amazing to see someone so young um voicing yeah their opinions I think that's really important um but what is it what is the day in the life of Angelica like in I guess either in your role as a vice president or in just day to day what is your a day in your life like well it's 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 football um and you know what <laughs> I, I'm I'm proud to say that though because you know everybody looks forward to the weekend and it's usually because it's a break and it's it's time to cool down no work but for me the weekend is work and it is football and that is what I live for I I football makes my weekend that is literally how I can put it and and my full-time role I'm at a semi-professional football club in Sydney and so I'm working nine to five in a football job which is already a dream come true and then my weekends are usually start at 6.30 in the morning. I'm usually down at the park by 7, 7.30. Uh, I'm, I'm setting up fields or I'm, I'm ground officialing or I'm a point of contact. I'm officiating the young little kitties and my little babies. They're the best ones to watch in the morning and, you know, seeing the little girls playing, the you know, the little four, five asides. It's, it's the best feeling. And just being around, being visible as a female at the grounds, even if I'm not necessarily doing anything, I'm just there. Um, to me, that's really important. And of course, you know, you've got to put the work in. I'm not saying I'm lazy, but it, it's really important that we have just females at the park uh, in some sort of capacity of leadership or volunteer or a referee or a coach, even parents. I don't think people realise how important it is to see your mothers at the field. And I think that to me was always the difference I wanted to make because I never had that. I never had any female role model at my football club to go oh yeah I can do that I want to be what she does and you know you can be what she is so to me that that's all it is is just being someone in leadership as a female and knowing that a little girl can turn around and say oh yeah I can do that too without a second thought without even a thought of no I can't it's it's there and it's visible and I think to me that's that's my role is is just being a female there who actually knows the game as well um, probably better than most of the men in the room too, which I, I hold myself very highly about, and and showing that your knowledge is just as equal to theirs and your experience is also equal to theirs regardless of your gender, regardless of your age, which I find is a really big one as well. And I think a lot of people usually put me down in the room because they see me as a young person, they see me as a young female, and they think, oh, yeah, what does she know? But ironically, I've had more experience than half of them together in the room. And I know that sounds cocky, but you kind of have to be in this space. And I think that's one thing women forget is that you you hold yourself with a bit of confidence, you know, prop yourself up a bit because we don't do that enough for ourselves. Yeah, it might sound cocky, 
but guys do it all the time. <laughs> They're always propping themselves up. So take a page out of their book. It works. And, and you get the attention in the room. You get people listening to you when you're confident and just as them, really. <laughs> yeah, confidence is key as well, isn't it? In, in anything, in anything Absolutely. in life. Um, so obviously the Women's World Cup showed us just how important it is for women's representation of football. So in your opinion, what does... FIFA need to do or organizations worldwide to keep increasing that representation of of women in football and and continue the growth of it that's a really good question and I don't think it's as complex as I'm going to make it but it, it really comes down to just simple things like treating them seriously holding it in the same regard and that equality that we keep hearing we need to physically see it and it, I mean, in things like the World Cup bids, you know, we shouldn't be finding it a year out if who's hosting the World Cup. If there's anything I've learned throughout this World Cup experience is how little time we had compared to the men's to get our stuff together, to get to put on the world's best performance. We didn't have a lot of time. And I don't think people realize that we really only had less than 12 months to get this up. And I think that's one thing that always angers me is that I'm hearing about who's going to host the 2032 World Cup when we only found out really last year and a little bit less when we were holding the World Cup, if we even had it. So for me, it's it's you've really got to start, you know, seeing that equality. Let's let's actually like it's great talking about it. It's great saying that we're going to do it. But now let's physically see it. And in terms of men's World Cup, Let's find out when the world, the Women's World Cup is when we're finding out the Men's World Cup. It's just little things like that. I also think another thing that I've recently realised is research. I think we need to invest in a little bit more research into the women's game around like the medicine side, the injury prevention, these kind of things I don't think there's enough studies on. And I think we'd see a lot less injuries. We'd see a lot more results uh, performance-wise if we invest more research into women's football as well. So I'd like to see something from FIFA doing that because I think then we'll see more results. We will see positive results and we'll see the same sort of impact that we're seeing in the men's game, in the women's game, when it comes to analysing football. Um, and I don't think that's talked about enough. I don't think people realise how little research there is in women's sports in general, let alone women's football. So yeah, I think I think research and physically seeing those all the talk, all that talk about equality. I mean, I'm not getting a positive vibe after that whole Spanish football team and the kiss incident. It's not it's not helping my case here. Saying FIFA's doing a good job, um, that took way too long, in my opinion. And and maybe it's out of their control a little bit. But we really got to start seeing those words about equality and females being equal in the workplace now. So I think maybe we also need more leadership, whether it is that token woman in every committee, at least it's a woman in a committee. And I hear a lot of my male counterparts saying that um, it shouldn't just be a woman because she has to be a woman in a committee or a board. But I think otherwise, I think you've got to, you've got to start the ball rolling. And how do you do that other than getting a female on the board? And then from there, you can start going, okay, who's, who's more um, qualified for this role? I don't care if there's a male that is probably more qualified. We do need to start seeing more female representation. But mind you, I think, I think that's, that's bull about the women not being qualified. I think there's 
plenty of women out there that are qualified for the role. And I think that's just a very good excuse that most men will use in those higher positions. But for their sake, I still think we need more women on boards. I think we need to see uh, more kind of legislation around that, around absolutely you must have a woman on your board uh, because they bring diversity. At the end of the day, we need diversity. Diversity is what's going to give us better results. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. It's, it's kind of that you, you need a different perspective um, regardless of qualification. It's still You can still have mm-hmm. an opinion on something and I think that's that's really important um, as well. And you were mentioning there about you know the situation with FIFA and, and Spain. Um, obviously, that kind of shook the world mm-hmm. the past uh, <laughs> the past well few months, year or so. And only like you mentioned, only now a result has come out of it. Um Rubiales has been um he's been banned, isn't he, from all I think anything yeah, related to football. Three like years three or something, years. but that's not good enough yeah. in my opinion. That's no. that's too short of a time. <laughs> three years ago feels like that to me. So I mean, but that, exactly, that's that's yeah. what we're looking at. That's our standard, that's the benchmark that they've set, which is not a good look. It's not a good look. Hundred percent no. 100% no. But Anyway, the, the World Cup was in Australia mm-hmm. um, and it was an incredible World Cup for, for the women's game. We saw record-breaking crowds um, and it was just phenomenal to see so many come out and support the women's game. But how was it for you to have have it in your own, in Australia, in your home country? Honestly, I'm I'm so sick of saying this word because I, I can't think of any other word, but it was just such a surreal moment. I just... I remember standing in front of the stadium and seeing the thousands of people surrounding me and I'm just in this moment very grounded thinking, how is this happening? Like this is really happening. All these thousands of people that have come from everywhere are literally here to see girls play football. At the crux, that's what it was. And it was just a very grounding moment for for the five, six, seven years I've been in football and working my butt off to promote women's football it was just this kind of like weight off my chest of like, okay, it was worth it and it's working and people have finally caught on. That's what it was. It was like this, this moment of relief for me that people finally see what we've been talking about for so long now and they actually like it. At the crux of it, the problem is people weren't watching it, they weren't enjoying it, now they are. Now they can turn around and say, yeah, okay, we were wrong about this. This is phenomenal. So for me it was just like weight off my chest of kind of bit of a I told you so moment as well, like look what I've been talking about for all these years and you guys weren't listening. So it was a, it was a bit of a, yeah, yeah, I told you so, guys, like moment for me and, and everyone that I know in, in women's football in the space here, it was just again I can't think of any other word it was just surreal and I still think about it and go did that even happen or was that just a dream that was just everything I've ever worked for in that moment and I didn't even care that we weren't in the final it was just the moment that the best of the best from the field and I was watching them in my home soil and every other girl is here watching the same thing so it was just such a relief such a beautiful moment and such a relief (laughs) Amazing. And the Matildas did incredibly well as well. They they were amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, so it was great. I mean, it was great. It was it was just a, it was, yeah. Agreed. And and agreed. Just players like obviously like Sam Kerr is, is a she's a massive representation for women's football, um, especially over here in the WSL. Like she's she's huge. So it's incredible to see, I guess, icons come up with a game for women as well now. Absolutely. But now these superstars to look up to. 
like real real role models tell us about your partnership with um lego australia and football australia because obviously it's amazing to celebrate women in football and, and how does that partnership add, add to that mm-hmm. well lego is actually our first official partner for football australia and the legacy 23 program so the one thing about that, just just that alone, is the fact that Lego has has made that huge move. They identified that gap in the market and they jumped at it as soon as they could. And it's kind of the the ripple now of women's football. And I think when you think of Lego, and, and even as close as ten years ago, and I remember being in school and and Lego wasn't really for girls. Like it just you know all the boys would play with the Lego, and it was just not really wasn't really a girl thing and I think Lego saw that and realized they have to change that they've got to change that perception and what a better way than to do it with our Matildas and with football and jumping onto that with with the the aim and the goal to get this motive of girls can play with Lego as well girls can be unstoppable and what a great way to show it than through play which is exactly what football is and it's exactly what Lego is so for me, it was like, I think they saw my story and could relate to it by saying like, well, she didn't have any role models and now we're going to do something about this to make sure that every other girl has a role model and it's going to be through Lego and they're funding it and they're supporting it. It's just, it's such a great way to bring kids. And of course, kids see Lego and they go, okay, I identify with that. That's that's my play. That's what I play with. And same with football. So for me, it was this story that I could share that play unstoppable motive. I absolutely love that concept because it was really hard to do that in my time. It was really hard to do that as a kid. And to be able to support something like that with that kind of motive to me is just like more than I can ever imagine and more than I can ever think of of being a partner with with that, that concept of girls can do anything. And Lego really shaping that way, really shaping that ideology that, Lego is no longer just for boys. It's for everyone. It's for girls. And I love the idea of girls being able to do something that is kind of out of, it's not, it's not ordinary. You know, you don't really hear many female engineers. So now I I hope that this creates more female engineers, pilots, all these STEM kind of uh, roles in society. I really want to see more girls in that, not just in sport. It's, it's a bit of a, a bittersweet moment because I know I never had that. And I just want to make sure that girls can have that and it's kind of sad because it's like I wish I had something like Lego I wish I had something to look up to and and go I want to do that I can be that too and without even a second guess of it so it's a really bittersweet partnership and and I'm really glad that they've really jumped onto this and and they're flying with it so it's it's things are going to change in the next five years in our space and I really hope we don't even have to talk about women being different and and having to make a change I hope it's just so 10 years ago you know this is this is my goal I think in in general is that we don't even have to talk about the differences women face and the inequalities we face and I really think Lego is going to support that so I'm really excited to see what they have to bring. No that's brilliant to hear and, and I guess that you're that next role model for, for younger girls like you mentioned didn't have anyone growing up but I'm sure you were that you were that person for so many younger girls I think it says a lot about you that they spotted something in you to to have that partnership with them as well so well done to you for everything that you're you. doing because I think it's it's incredible but how would you say post World Cup now 
the state of women's football is in Australia. Um, and I know the Matildas are preparing for their Olympic qualifications as well at the moment. So there's another big you know, tournament, I guess, coming up uh, next year. But how would you say the state of it is at the moment? It's It's still on a high. We are on a high with football in this country and we're not really going to know until about maybe four or five months time when it's registration period if a grassroots football and we see those numbers rise. And I'm going to be really nitpicky for our game because I want it to be the best that it can be. I think our biggest thing that we now have to look at as football as a country is retention and keeping up with the growth because I actually think that's going to be one of our biggest biggest issues coming is do we have enough space in these grassroots clubs for this growth and that's something that we're going to have to talk to councils with we're going to have to talk to the government because we're going to have to keep up with the infrastructure now which is probably where we lack in Australia compared to England or places like America is where there's proper infrastructure that's football based we don't really have that here we're competing with a lot of sports whether it's cricket basketball netball we're competing with all that so there's a lot of noise in sport for football, but now we're in the spotlight. We need to grab onto it, but we need to keep up with the growth. That is going to be our biggest challenge. I think we can do it, but it's going to take a lot of money to keep up our, our infrastructure and it's going to take a little bit more help to keep up with those numbers, but we can do it. I have no doubt that we can do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, what advice would you give to younger women who are aspiring to be or have careers in football administration or leadership roles? I think the biggest thing would be to just get out there and get a name for yourself. And that would be through volunteer work, I think would be the best advice I can give is just get out into your community, give back because your community has done so much for you in ways you have no idea you have to give back to your community, make your name, get onto a committee, get onto a board, find yourself in a position of leadership. And yes, it's going to feel weird. Yes, you're going to feel like you know nothing. And who are you compared to all these older men and women in the room? But you have to remember that your age is your secret weapon, that you have youth, you have diversity. And that is also an attribute that is needed in these places. People forget being young is also being diverse and bringing a fresh perspective on things and use that, use that while you can and while you can make risks. And if you make a mistake, I've made thousands, but here we are and we're still thriving and you just got to remember it's part of the process. The mistakes is where you learn so much and where there are those obstacles and barriers, they're going to be the best life lessons for you. All my life lessons have come from football and community and all the ups and downs have brought me to where I am today. I love that. And I, I, I agree, like, it's it's part of life, isn't it? Like, it gives you so many life lessons, not just uh, the physical benefits, but there's so many other benefits to being involved yeah. in a sport yeah. in general. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I love that. What would you say has been, then, your favourite I guess, memory or moment in your career so far? Um, you're still very young, <laughs> so um, but from what we've heard, you've experienced so much already, but what has been your favourite moment so far? My favourite thing has to be my mum's team. So I, with my sister, we we identified a massive gap in our registrations, which was women over the age of 30. Uh, we had none. We had none in our club and we knew they were at the field. They know a heck of a lot about football because their kids have been playing, their husbands have been playing. 
and they didn't realize how much they've actually picked up on football. And so we managed to get this, this team together. It started off as a social team, just a little six aside competition. And then eventually they became really good and then really competitive to the point where they said, okay, we're ready for a competition now, guys. And so my sister and I were coaching this, this mum's team and um, we eventually got them into a, a proper 11 aside competition on the weekends and they killed it. They absolutely had a ball every single weekend they actually won most of their games and they actually got to a point where they wanted to start losing games because they didn't want to have to play in a final they didn't they didn't they weren't ready for that kind of nerves um but they ended up making it to the final um they won on penalty shootouts and every single game they brought champagne bottle of wine hors d'oeuvres cheese boards you name it it was there and the kids were on the sideline the husbands were cheering on their wives, the signs that the creator that the kids made. And in that moment, my sister and I turned around and we just looked at that and we're like, God, the world's changed. We now have husbands cheering on their wives playing football on Sunday and their kids are screaming, go mom. And that for me, I think has to be my favorite memory in just football as a whole. I think it's going to take the cake every single time because that's, that's the day me and my sister realized we're doing something and it's making a huge change and they're still playing. Um, they're still topping their division and they're now in division one. So these women are dedicated. They see each other every week and it's a social, but like also a chance for them to still have friends because I think a lot of mums get caught in that, uh, you know, cycle of, of being the caretaker and being responsible for your family, the house and they almost forget to have time for themselves and to have friends. And it was just a network for them. It was just a social competition. And now it's become extremely competitive, but just an outlet for them to have friends and enjoy themselves. And there's something that their husbands can now support them in. So it has to be my favorite for sure. That's, that's very special. And I think yeah. it's obviously you and your sister are, you know, making such massive changes in in the football world and you should obviously be really proud of yourself and it's nice for that team of of, your, of the mums to to have someone next to them who they can relate to and probably you know in other teams they don't get that so I think what you've done there is like really really special thank you <laughs> what's your well maybe personal and professional goals for the next few years so I, I always struggle to answer this question because I'm a big believer in fate and wherever the road takes me. And I like the idea of being open when it comes to football and, and seeing what happens. But I definitely want to get onto my first uh, official board. So I would like to be on a, as, a, as a board member um, for my football association. Um, eventually, I would like to work overseas. I, I'd really see the benefit in, in seeing what the rest of the world does as opposed to just seeing what Australia does because I know places like Germany, America, like they're setting the benchmark uh, for women's football and even England. So I think I'd really like to work overseas soon and, and just to, to eventually maybe bring it back home or to work my way up to FIFA. So I think I would really like to see that, but uh, just just to, to to level up. I think I need to level up now where I am and, and really make it make a statement in terms of football and, and a leadership position. So I think I'm ready for that challenge now. <laughs> awesome. Amazing. And then um, you mentioned a lot about your sister being involved in football. Is she, is she still involved in football now? Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And is there, I I, I've, I read, I think, I think I read about how your sister also would love to be in FIFA. So is that sort of like a- There's a race. A little, <laughs> of yeah, there's top. definitely a race. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, look, it's, she's, she's just as competitive as I am and just as determined to be in football. She's not currently working in football, but she, she makes a huge impact in the community in terms of football. And uh, she is one of the most fearless, and I will never admit this, I will never say that I said this about her, but she is one of the most toughest girls I know. Um, and she is not scared to tell a man off. And, and I got to give it to her. She's an inspiration when it comes to stuff like that. And and when someone doesn't agree with her, <laughs> good luck. So yeah, we, we both have a little bit of a race as to who's going to get there first. So yeah, yeah, little little healthy competition, never hurt anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh definitely no it's it's brilliant to have that support from your family um and it, it's clear how how vital they've been to your success so well done to them as well Thank I you. guess for um for for pushing you especially your dad as well giving you that opportunity to go to Manchester not many you know people would would do that especially I guess being a yeah. woman in football yeah. it's it's amazing to have to see that he supported you in every way so that's brilliant yeah definitely it's, it's um I think from what you've said, like it's 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 lovely for you to have that healthy comp- competition between you and your sister as well, because that spurs you on to do more and change more, and yeah, put things in place for for because you're still still young yourself, but you're putting things in place already for younger people and women coming through who would like to be in the same well similar positions really. So yes, thank you. <laughs> When we get to the end of a podcast, usually we get, we have um, like three random questions just to get to, to know your personality a bit better. So not particularly football or sport related. Um, but our first question is, if you could invite any three people to a dinner party, who would they be and why? So they have to be real people? I mean, not like, there's no rules. I think you can be anyone you want. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> So this this first person is a real person and I think it's more because she's a bit of an icon and I really admire how she navigated through the media and, and being hated on so much. But I would love to bring back Princess Diana. I would love to have a conversation with her and, and yeah. how she was a woman in a space where, especially in the 90s and 80s, where it was just so not normal for a woman to be in power and to hold such, um, you know, you know, it's a chokehold on society. So I would love to have a conversation with her. I'd also like to have Socrates because I love a bit of a good bit of philosophy and I'm Greek. So I love to know why on everything and question everything and why does everybody think like that? So I'd love to have a philosopher there. So Socrates, I think, would be a second one. And then my third one, I think, would be Ted Lasso because <laughs> I love his energy. I, I'm a big believer in mindset and and anything you can do, you can do um if you put your mind to it so I'd love I think I think it'd be Ted Lasso I think he would be someone I'd love to have a conversation with and I reckon I could outdo him on his his belief so (laughs) his belief mindset I reckon I could outdo him on so yeah I think that'd be my three people (laughs) yeah I'll be an interesting dinner party I'm sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) brilliant uh okay so second question um if you could become an expert in anything other than football what would it be and why this is so easy for me languages I would love to be able to speak every single language on the planet because I think it's so good to be able to communicate through people and there's nothing more authentic than having something in their authentic tongue and 
I think I think languages I'm trying I'm trying my best to be you know to to master a lot of languages but I'm struggling even with just my own <laughs> language English so <laughs> um I definitely yeah I think I think it would be learning languages I'd love to be an expert in in all the languages out there so oh, I love that <laughs> ambitious what, what languages can you speak other than English at the moment so I can I'm pretty good with Greek I'm probably about like 75 percent there um Italian I was really good at in school I can I can pick up on a bit of Italian and I'm really trying with German because my partner he's German but it's such a difficult language so <laughs> I'm trying my best I'm, I'm picking up things but yeah I would love to I would love to learn every language if I could no oh, brilliant <laughs> no well done I'd love I'd be the same as well I'd love to learn other languages and I I'm t- I can learn it for like a few minutes and I think I've got it and then yeah our final question then is what is your favorite quote and why it's it's not really a quote per se but something I think that was taught to me from the start of of being in a position of, of power and leadership and and making a change and, and my mum always used to say she always used to say in order to make you make a change you've got to upset a few people and I think there is no truer words than those because I always used to suffer with that a little bit of, of upsetting people and being a bit of a people pleaser. I hated the idea that people would hate me and I hated the idea that people would dislike me. And I realise as I get older that you need that. You need to, to create, in order to create change, you've got to ruffle some feathers and some people just won't accept that. And Another thing, another quote that my father told me when I was a referee, especially because again, this people pleaser syndrome, um, I always used to get really nervous making decisions on the field as a referee. And, and my dad always said to me, when you're a referee and life in general, the second you make a decision, 50% of the population already are going to hate you. So you kind of have to go with it. You kind of have to accept that it's always going to be there, but just know that you've even got 50% of the other people that will support you. So use your network, use those people that do support you and, and just forget about the ones because there's always going to be people that don't like your decisions and there's always going to be people that don't like your opinions. So uh, definitely in order to make a change, you've got to upset a few people, I think is my favourite one. I love that. And I think I am I can relate because I'm very much a people pleaser. I'm, I'm trying to work on it because you literally get nowhere in life absolutely <laughs> nice I feel you happy. yeah but then like you you kind of have to put yourself first as well and I think especially when you're still young and you don't have you know kids to think about and 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 you know other things other factors in life you need exactly. to kind of put yourself first and please yourself but it's so hard and getting wrapped up with in work, in relationships, in friendships, to just mm. want to please the other person. And sometimes it's it's like, no, I have to put myself first here because otherwise I'm never going to be true to myself. So I, I completely yeah, understand exactly. like, where you're coming from there. I think it's part of growing up as well, isn't it? Like like yeah. the, the the more you grow as a person, like I, I feel exactly the same. Like I probably realised more in the last like year or so that yeah you never you're never gonna make everyone happy so it's always gonna, it's yes. always gonna be upset, like you mentioned so no that's I love that quote and I think I'm gonna take that on board Me too definitely good I'm glad I love to hear that and you know what I'm still working on it I'm still not an expert at it I make out like I am but still figure it out and you just got to remind yourself that you know you've got to trust your your instinct you've got to trust your ability 
And as women, we always seem to put ourselves down. We've got to stop that nonsense. We've got to stop it. I don't care how cocky it sounds. You are good at what you do and you've mm. got to trust yourself in that. No, amazing. I love it. And I feel very uh, inspired by you now. Me too. <laughs> your story. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> Did I put Ted Lasso to shame? That's all I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, but thank, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's a, a pleasure to have you. And I th- I guess what I love about having this podcast is that we can sh- like speak to people all around the world. So it's amazing to, to share your perspective in, over there in Australia. Um, And it's yeah, brilliant to have you on the podcast. So thank you so yeah. much oh, for you. taking the time to come thank and chat you. to us. And, and I love you, your work, girls. Like I think it's incredible what you guys are doing as well. It, it's this kind of stuff that we need more of in, in our society and and keep it up because I love I love watching it and I love listening to it <laughs> oh, oh thank, thank you. you thank you thank so you much honestly so yeah pleasure to chat to you and uh, remember us when you're the next uh, president <laughs> <laughs> I will don't stress don't worry I'm writing a list <laughs> oh, thank you so much <laughs> thank you girls thank you We'd just like to say a big thank you for listening to our podcast and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please don't forget to give us a like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and also hit the follow button on our social media at a goal in mind podcast where you can keep up to date with all our guests.